Hello, and welcome to the Buffy and the Art of Story podcast. Today, I'll be talking about Season 5, Episode 19, Tough Love, where glory finally succeeds in determining who the key is. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you love creating stories or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, mystery and thriller author and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. And today, along with a breakdown of Tough Love, I'll talk about how the last scene where Glory discovers the key shows the difference between a game changer and a cliffhanger, but also raises a question. Is Tough Love really part one and the next episode, Spiral, is part two of an ongoing main plot where Glory goes after the key? Scenes that build suspense but still play fair by ending just before a character decides, says, or does something. Particularly, we'll see this with Glory. And finally, using lines of dialogue to transition viewers and readers from one scene to the next, something that Buffy is so good at as a series. There will be no spoilers except at the end to talk about foreshadowing. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Tough Love aired the first time on May 1st, 2001. It was directed by David Grossman and written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner. In the first scene, a professor struggles with a slide carousel. For those who haven't seen one, this was back when the only way to project a photo was to do it on a literal screen, and you would have these small square slides of film in cardboard. And he is struggling with a carousel of them, a plastic carousel and can't get a slide out that he wants to move. Buffy comes in and offers to help him as she tells him she needs to drop the course. All her courses, actually, she is not finishing the semester. So this is a two-layer opening conflict. That's the conflict there to draw the viewer or reader in. Here, it doesn't relate directly to the main plot of Glory going after the key, but it does relate indirectly and it hits on a subplot here which is Buffy's struggle to balance her life and take care of Dawn. And the other layer is the professor's more minor struggle with the slide carousel As they talk, Buffy fiddles with the slides. She tells the professor she needs to leave school to take care of her sister. The professor says he's very sorry to hear about her loss. The professor signs her form for her as she tells him how much she enjoyed the course and poetry. And as Buffy says, I really do, the slide flies out of the carousel and across the room, which shows Buffy's depth of emotion as she's talking about having to leave this course that she really enjoyed. The professor wishes her well and hopes she can make some time for poetry. She says she'll be back next semester. She hopes, quote, when I'm more myself again, end quote. And that is the line that segues into the next scene at two minutes, 12 seconds in when Ben enters the hospital. And we'll find out he has literally not been himself lately because A doctor sarcastically says to him, this is a pleasant surprise. Ben apologizes for being late, but it turns out he hasn't been there for two weeks. Ben asks if he can explain, though he can't say why it's not his fault. More sarcasm as the doctor says, sure, maybe the dog ate Ben's homework, or Twinkies made him do it, or the doctor goes on, or maybe, yeah, that there's a wicked demonic creature living inside you that takes control of your body and forces you to do its bidding. The doctor gives a big sigh and continues, take responsibility for your actions, Ben. Ben gets frustrated, says forget it, and then goes to empty his locker, all the while talking aloud to Glory. She's ruining his life, 
then he starts to sway, feeling her about to take over, and he says, I'm Ben, I'm Ben, and bangs his fist on a locker. The fist turns into a hand with pretty nails, and at 3 minutes 45 seconds in, Glory says, I'm hungry, and we go to credits. On the return from credits, at 4 minutes 47 seconds in, Glory is taking a bubble bath, and she comments, quote, a lot of sucky things in this dimension, bubble baths, not one of them, end quote, which I completely agree with. Blindfolded minions toady and hand her the loofah and a mimosa on a silver platter when she demands them. She berates them, saying she asked for the key and they brought her a vampire, an impure follically fried vampire, referring back to Spike in the last episode. They failed to do their jobs and she tells them to rack their brains and tell her all they saw when they spied on Buffy and her friends. So this is more exposition through conflict catching us up on Glory's earlier efforts to find the key. At six minutes, five seconds in, she says, then I'll figure out who the key is. I see this scene as the story spark or inciting incident that gets the main plot rolling. Usually we see that about 10% through any story, so this is a bit late, but it's not one moment here, but Glory's decision to listen to what her minions found out and do the brain work herself. And much of that process will happen off screen and will create major turns in the story. That is a good use of suspense because we'll find out that Glory makes a mistake in her thinking, but we don't know it until much later. So there's a tremendous build of concern for Dawn. And that is playing fair with the audience because we don't have to show everything that the antagonist and her team do so long as what does happen later is consistent with what has been on screen. And that's true of the protagonist and her friends as well. Though if you are writing a novel or a short story, it's trickier to hold back about the protagonist if we are in that character's head. So there are things you have to do to signal the reader that you're not telling them everything, otherwise they feel cheated. Now, Glory has just said, then I'll figure out who the key is. And we go to the next scene where Buffy says to Dawn, you lied to me. Much of this scene will be about who Dawn is. It makes that last line of Glory's a nice transition. Now we are seeing Dawn and we are looking at who she is. Dawn and Buffy sit in front of the principal's desk. Dawn stutters that she didn't exactly lie. Buffy asked her how school was. Dawn said it was fine. Buffy didn't ask if she was in it. Buffy explains to the principal how hard all this has been for Dawn. The principal understands that with the loss of their mother, there are challenges, so more good exposition through minor conflict. Buffy refers to Dawn as just a kid, and the principal responds, well, I think we both know that Dawn is a lot more than just a kid. Buffy and Dawn look worried as I am in the audience about whether the principal somehow knows about the key, maybe is a demon, but the principal goes on to say that Dawn is talented and sharp-minded when she puts in the effort. She then tells Dawn to wait outside and gives Buffy a look. The scene cuts so we don't know what's said here which also helps build suspense. At 7 minutes 29 seconds in, Anya glares at an older couple browsing in the magic box. Xander tells her a watched customer never buys, and Anya responds that they would if they were patriotic. She recently realized that she's not only human, she's also an American. Giles agrees with a slight laugh that her mortal self was born there, so to speak, and Anya responds, that's right, foreigner. She goes on that she's been reading about the good old U.S. of A and the ideology that shaped 
and defines it. And Willow says democracy, Anya responds, capitalism, and talks about how the exchange of goods for services has a symbiotic beauty that is lost on these old people. And Giles says, appalling. It's almost as if they no longer think money can buy happiness. Anya responds, un-American, and goes on to explain why French people also are un-American and old French people are the worst. And then we get one of my favorite Xander lines ever. This one points out a contradiction that is so very human and the actor delivers it perfectly. Xander says, "On, how about we try to be a little less prejudiced and a bit more inclusive? Not us. He waves to himself and Willow, just you. Anya says fine and goes off to sell the couple something. Dawn and Buffy enter the magic box. Xander teases Buffy about dropping out. She says it's temporary. Buffy tells Dawn to do her homework and asks Willow to help. She needs to go talk to Giles. At 10 minutes, 20 seconds in, Buffy in the training room tells Giles she doesn't know what to do. Dawn's messing up. Buffy's messing up, quote, it's a mess, end quote. Giles tells her she has to put her foot down, and Buffy pleads with Giles to be the foot putter downer. She says Dawn will listen to him, and Giles scoffs the way Buffy listens, and Buffy says, I listen. Well, I do. Giles tells her he may be a grown-up, but Buffy's Dawn's family, her only real family now, and she needs Buffy to do this. Buffy agrees. Dawn needs her to be the grown-up, the authority figure, and she marches out reciting cliches like early to bed, early to rise. This scene shows great internal character conflict for Buffy through her dialogue, especially when she says, I listen while I do. It shows how hard this is for Buffy, not just all this responsibility, but in her relationships and personal life, she's been the one who flouts rules. She's a bit of a rebel. She does what she thinks is best, what she knows she needs to do, even if it conflicts with Giles or in the past Joyce. And this is a strength for slaying, as we've seen over and over, but it is not great for now having to be the one to try to get her little sister to follow the rules and do the things she needs to do. We are at 12 minutes through, and here I look for what I think of as the one-quarter twist, the first major plot turn that should come from outside the protagonist, spin the story in a new direction, and raise the stakes. So we're already past that one-quarter point, and we do see a turn in the Buffy and Dawn subplot. And a bit later, we will see a major turn in the main plot of Glory going after the key. That is probably happening right now. We just don't see it because we're not seeing a lot of what Glory is doing. Buffy goes back into the main area of the shop. Willow, Xander, and Anya lie on the floor in a triangle. Dawn stands in the middle, and they're all laughing. And Buffy says, what is this? I thought I told you to do your homework. Dawn says, I was. And Buffy responds, please don't lie to me, which I get because Dawn has been lying to Buffy. Willow, not knowing any of this, rushes to explain that they were acting out a geometry problem. Willow called Xander obtuse. Dawn joked about a cute triangle. Buffy is not impressed. She thinks Dawn should go do the homework at home, though Dawn protests she was really learning. Willow begs Buffy not to be so grouchy, and Buffy says it's really important that Dawn finishes her schoolwork right now. Willow agrees, but it was fun and about learning, and then suddenly there's all the outlawing of human triangles. And Buffy just repeats, it's really important that Dawn finishes her schoolwork right now. Willow is puzzled. She's a big fan of school, but Buffy needs to lighten up. Buffy tells her she doesn't understand. There's no way that she could. Willow insists she does. She knows Buffy's stressed and suggests a break. She and Tara are going to the World Cultural Fair, and Dawn could come along with them 
and Buffy. It'll be good educational fun in a disciplining sort of way. But Buffy says she can't. But don't worry. Quote, it's not like I don't have a life. I do. I have Dawn's life. This exchange between Willow and Buffy is partly genuine conflict that arises from who they are and their characters and situation right now. Willow really does love school, but also doesn't have the responsibility for Dom the way that Buffy does. And though she knows Buffy is stressed, is not getting the depths of it. So I believe, given that Willow doesn't know what just happened, that there is this conflict between them. I hesitate, though, on calling it genuine because false conflict is where conflict happens because the characters haven't had a conversation they need to have, and there's no good reason for that. I'm on the fence on this one because Buffy may just not be ready to tell all this to Willow. She's just gone through it with Giles. She's really stressed, and Buffy does tend to want to solve things on her own and not share. The conflict with Dawn does feel forced to me, and I'll get to why it's false later, but for right now, it's frustrating because in forever, they had this moment of connection and closeness, and as I think I mentioned last time, it's as if we just rewound and went back to before that happened. Of course, there are ups and downs in relationships, but it feels to me like Buffy would understand that this is what was happening with Dawn and sure she would be angry but that their new closeness would have prompted her to have a more heartfelt and genuine conversation with Dawn earlier than we get it in this episode. For now, though, we go to Glory and her minions at 14 minutes, 22 seconds in. And Glory says, so it's her under our noses all this time. So this is that off-screen major plot turn I was talking about whenever Glory figured this out. She goes on that she likes the detail work the monks did, the quirks, the passions. She's so human. And she tells them to go get the key. So the first time through, this strongly suggests to us she has figured out that it's Dawn. And this comes from outside Buffy. It spins the story in a new direction. Now Glory is going directly after the key because she knows who it is and raises the stakes because it's an immediate threat to Dawn. At 15 minutes in, Willow tells Tara about the fight with Buffy as she gets ready for the cultural fair. Tara says it's understandable. Willow thinks Tara means Dawn blowing off classes, but Tara is talking about Buffy, who now has all the responsibility to look after Dawn. Willow says, but Buffy will only make Dawn more rebellious. And Tara tells Willow it's hard to deal with that. She had to handle her brother's problems after her mother died. And Willow can't really know what it's like. And Willow jumps in, yeah, I know that. Tara sighs, sits next to Willow, and tries to find out what's wrong. Willow says it's no big deal, but Tara knows she's mad. Willow, though, says this whole Buffy thing, let's just forget it. And Tara responds, no, please. I mean, tell me if I said something wrong. Otherwise, I know I'll say it again, probably often and in public. Tara is just so emotionally healthy and it's such a great way to approach this because if they forget it, she's right. She probably will say something again to set this reaction off and she wants to know what is it that she's saying that Willow finds upsetting. Willow haltingly says it's like her opinion isn't worth anything because she didn't lose her mom, which is a holdover from that conversation with Buffy and earlier conversations in earlier episodes. Tara tries a little humor and says she's not the expert. Quote, I mean, I've only lost the one. Do I act like the big knowledge woman? Willow responds, no. And Tara says, is that no spelled Y-E-S? And Willow answers, S-O-R-T of. This is real conflict. You can see both sides and how they feel. And they both 
try to express it. Willow holds back earlier, but now she shares. She says she feels like the junior partner. Tara has been out longer. She's been practicing witchcraft way longer. Tara responds that Willow is way beyond her and then says, it frightens me how powerful you're getting. And Willow says, that's a weird word. And Tara says, getting? And Willow says, it frightens you? I frighten you? Tara tries to backpedal, but Willow took Psych 101, though she notes it was by a psychotic professor skewered by her Frankenstein-like creation. Still, Willow knows a Freudian slip when she hears one. Tara assures Willow that she trusts her, but she says Willow is changing so much she doesn't know where Willow is heading. Willow now says this isn't about witchcraft, it's about other changes and Tara says she's not sure she'll fit in when and Willow says when I change back and gets mad because she thinks Tara is seeing Willow as just experimenting with being gay during college and says you think that and Tara says should I? Willow sarcastically says quote sorry I didn't establish my lesbo street cred end quote before getting into this relationship. If this does worry Tara, I would have liked to see some hints of that earlier in the season. While in season four, Tara almost lost Willow to Oz or certainly felt that she did, we have not seen anything since then, and this is a year later, to suggest that this nags at Tara. It's very possible it does, but there haven't been any hints of that. So I'm left with either... The writers did have that in mind, and it's a genuine conflict that Tara has this fear. Or Tara truly is more worried about the witchcraft, and that is harder for her to say. At 19 minutes, 10 seconds in, Tara begs Willow to stay, but Willow doesn't feel like going to the fair anymore, and she stalks off, slamming the door behind her. There are some listener comments. One is on the body from Liz on Twitter. After I had asked in the episode how it hit other watchers and Liz says on rewatch last year it seemed clunky and my husband didn't get why I found it quote helpful unquote but I also like your life keeps moving on read of it so true the scenes with the gang felt more awkward than I remembered and my husband didn't find them engaging at all which surprised me as I remember identifying strongly at the time but I was their age then the vampire scene seemed unnecessary to us also but your read on it makes me reconsider it now as fitting thank you Liz it is always fascinating as I think I said when I responded to hear how the rewatch hits other people I love that you had somewhat of an opposite reaction to me it resonated with you the first time through and less so when you watched it later down the line there's also a comment on I was made to love you that April robot episode from Tiffany D Nyheiser on Twitter this is in response to my comment about Willow and particularly Tara being the one to say how sad it was that Warren didn't have a a real girlfriend or a, a one romantic partner and Tiffany says I interpreted what Willow and Tara said way differently I think you can definitely be sad and lonely without a romantic partner and they were pointing out that Warren definitely was but Buffy's life is full of other things she has friends and family a purpose in life to me it's a warning not to get so sad and lonely that you think a romantic partner is the only way to fill that quote unquote hole in your life and I put hole in quotes because many people are perfectly happy single Buffy is so focused on a romantic partner in this episode she's missing what she has and her life in my opinion is pretty good 
Thank you, Tiffany. I like this read on it that what Tara is saying is Warren, from what they know of him, must have been so unhappy and he did feel that was a hole in his life or he did feel what he needed was a romantic partner and it is sad then that he couldn't find that. Thank you both for your comments. If you as a listener would like to comment, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Lisa M. Lily. You can also email if you would like to send something more privately to BuffyStoryPod at gmail.com. At 19 minutes, 17 seconds in, two minions watch through the summer's window as Buffy folds laundry. Dawn sits doing her homework. In a bright, artificially cheery voice, Buffy tells Dawn that she's figured it out. They'll make a chart. Dawn will put a check mark when she does something she has to do. And Dawn looks not very happy. And Buffy says, what, you want gold stars? Okay, you can have gold stars. None of this strikes me as believable, going back to what I already mentioned about how they did reach this closeness in forever, and it feels artificial to me, as artificial as Buffy's tone, that she doesn't just tell Dawn what the principal said and is instead is going on about charts and stars. Now, maybe that shows how uncomfortable Buffy is in this role but they had this very conversation about Buffy feeling she needs to take care of Dawn, saying who will do it if I don't. And I feel like given that she could have been comfortable or would have been comfortable saying to Dawn, look, I don't know what I'm doing. You're messing up. I'm messing up. If we can't figure this out, if you don't do these things, they're going to take you away. Now, she is about to say that, but it feels to me like this was delayed solely so we could have her have this conversation while the minions are listening. So Buffy tells Dawn she's trying to give her a normal life. Dawn says good luck and goes on that none of this is real. Quote, I'm not real, so why would my exciting graph of chores be real? Who cares if a key gets an education? anyway end quote on first watch I was gasping because now she has confirmed she is the key when the minions can hear her and she continues that the monks dropped grades K through 8 in her head why can't they just drop grade 9 in 2 why take any of it seriously and finally at 20 minutes 36 seconds in Buffy says because they'll take you away and we get a far shot as if we are looking through the window, the camera is looking through the window, but we don't see the minions. And I always wondered until this watch, how do the minions not hear this and know Dawn is the key? Because as we'll find out, Glory has picked the wrong person. And this seemed like a cheat to me, a deliberate cheat of the audience and a mislead because this seems to confirm the danger to Dawn. But this time I realized we don't see that the minions are still there. So they could have left having confirmed that Buffy and Dawn are at Buffy's house, look like they're going to be there for a while, and they left. So this doesn't uh, contradict what happens later. Buffy now tells Dawn that this is what the principal told her. They'll put Dawn in foster care or maybe with her dad if Buffy can't make her go to school. And Dawn says, what I've been thinking, you could have just told me that. And Buffy responds, I just did. If you are going to use an artificial tactic to delay a conversation, you can try to offset that by having a character call that out as Dawn does. You could have just told me. But for me here, it still just doesn't work. I'm curious if any of you have thoughts about that. Did that bother you or did you feel it was consistent with Buffy? We are now nearing the middle of the episode and typically in the middle of any story, we see a midpoint commitment by the protagonist throwing caution to the wind, going all in on the quest or a major reversal that the protagonist suffers or both. And that is something I do 
love about the placement of this conversation because it feels like we just had that major reversal before we knew Glory thought she knew who the key was and now it seems that this confirmed it to the minions but the real reversal is about to come and it is so much bigger at 21 minutes 47 seconds in we're at the cultural fair there are bright colors lots of people parades costumes and they're shown in a montage tara is at the fair willow sits alone on a beanbag chair in the magic box her arms folded Tara sits on a bench at the fair, looking sad and looking off to one side. At 22 minutes, 31 seconds in, so just a little past the middle of the episode, a hand clasps Tara's, and Tara smiles, clearly thinking it's Willow, and turns to look, and Glory says, is this seat taken? So here is the big reversal, a direct threat to Tara. If this is a two-part story with Spiral, if we look at it that way, this would be that one-quarter plot turn. It comes from outside Buffy, spins the story in a whole new direction because Glory is about to attack Tara and raises the stakes exponentially because while that threat to Dawn was stepped up, this is an immediate physical threat to Tara right now. We cut to the magic box. Giles notices that Willow seems sad, but she says she's fine when he asks if she's okay, and Giles observes, ah yes, because your good mood is both obvious and contagious. Willow tells him she and Tara fought, which they never did before, and Giles says, well, it's over. Willow says, over? How can it be over? I just found her. And Giles clarifies, the quarrel is over. He keeps talking, reassuring Willow as he opens a back door to outside, then slams it into the listening minion's head. We're going to get Ripper Giles in a moment, which is always fun. Giles drags the minion in. The minion demands Giles let him go. He won't ever betray Glorificus. Giles tells Willow and Anya to get some twine to tie up the minion. They turn away and the camera follows them. Off screen, we hear cracking and the minion begging, don't, don't. So we don't see what Giles did, but the minion says he'll tell them anything. And Anya says, what happened? And Giles responds, he changed his mind. The minion says they are all watching the Slayer's people while Glory fetches the key. The others start to rush to alert Buffy, and the minion says, too late, too late. Glorificus will find the witch, and there's nothing you can do to stop her. Anya says, witch, what do you mean? And Willow says, Tara. And the minion says, she's the new one among you. So I guess that Glory does not get that the monks could alter the whole worlds and everyone's memories. I had questioned that before, why she rejected Bob Barker because he was old and had been in the world a long time. So apparently she does think it would have to be somebody just inserted into Buffy's life recently. So in that case, Tara makes sense. At 24 minutes, 56 seconds in, Willow rushes out and tells them to call Buffy to meet her at the fair. The scene cuts back to the fair where Glory tells Tara not to look for help. So that was another good segue that Willow is heading to the fair and now we see what is happening there. Glory says she'll kill everyone before Tara can do anything and it'll be Tara's fault. She squeezes Tara's fingers so hard that we hear them break and they bleed. Glory goes on about how worthless people are but keys are worth a lot. She licks Tara's blood, but then spits it out angry and calls her a lying little tramp. Glory hates being lied to. She feels so betrayed. And we can see that she is fading a little. She tells Tara that if Tara reveals who the key is, Glory will let her go. She threatens Tara, tells her how she'll feel with Glory's fingers wiggling in her brain. And this is is a great way to use 
conflict to foreshadow. So usually I'm talking about how it's used to get an exposition, but here it's used to foreshadow and inform us how Tara will feel later and how Glory feels because we get a sense as she's talking that this is how Glory feels when she needs a brain to suck. And so I take it back, it is exposition. We're just getting it in advance. It is informing us as viewers. And Glory goes on that it makes you feel like you're in a noisy little dark room, naked, ashamed, things in the dark wanna hurt you because you're bad and you'll be okay if you can remember how to get out. And Glory ends with, but you never ever will. She asks again who the key is, but Tara shakes her head. And at 24 minutes, 52 seconds, seconds in, we cut to a commercial. On return, Willow calls Tara's name. She's running through the fair and we get glimpses of Glory and Tara in between a parade and balloons and other colorful, fun things that are in Willow's way. Willow starts a spell, but she can't remember all the words and she can't get to Tara. At 26 minutes, 14 seconds in, Willow yells, no. As Glory puts her hands on Tara's head, bright light streams out and Willow screams Tara's name and runs for her. Glory is gone. Tara says, dirty, it's all dirty and all over me. Dirty, dirty, I'm bad, I'm bad. She whimpers. She tries to brush unseen things off of herself. The camera pans back as Willow holds Tara crying and saying she's so sorry. At 28 minutes, 58 seconds, the doctor we saw earlier with Ben tells Willow at the hospital that they need to keep Tara overnight for observation. Willow is distraught and the doctor says, is she your sister? And Willow says, she's my everything. Two things about this. One, it calls back to the time when same gender partners were pretty much discounted by the medical profession. When I was in law school, so I finished in 2000, a year before this aired, one of the most fascinating classes was wills, trusts, and estates. And a lot of the cases, at least the ones that stuck with me, were about what happened when there were no papers to create rights. And sometimes even when there were papers to create rights that hospitals and doctors wouldn't let a partner in, they wouldn't let them make decisions. Families would contest wills even if the people had tried so hard to document everything. So this is in a way a little unrealistic because the doctor is talking to Willow, though she is not under the law family. But it is realistic in that his thought is, is she your sister, not is she your partner? I love Willow's response. And this line also calls forward to the scene at the end when Buffy will compare Willow taking care of Tara to Buffy taking care of Dawn. Giles, Xander, and Anya are also there, and at 30 minutes, five seconds in, Buffy comes in and hugs Willow, and Tara says, they kill mice, and she smiles and half laughs. Buffy hugs Tara, too, says Dawn is safe with Spike, and Buffy can stay as long as Willow needs. And Willow says, I'm so scared, which is another line that segues to the next scene, which is about fear. Dawn's fear of glory and also Dawn's fear of who or what she herself is. At 30 minutes, 43 seconds in, Spike leads Dawn through the caves, tells her there's nothing to be afraid of, nothing will hurt her, but Spike is still all bruised and beat up and limping from Glory torturing him in the last episode. He makes light of it and he says maybe Glory doesn't want to kill Dawn, maybe it's something, and Dawn says, worse. She tells him what she's scared of is herself. Glory thinks Tara's the key, but 
Dawn is, and anything that happens to Tara is because of Dawn, just like Spike's bruises and his limp. And Dawn says, I'm like a lightning rod for pain and hurt, and everyone around me suffers and dies. I must be something so horrible to cause so much pain and evil. Spike responds, rot, and she asks him what he knows about it. And Spike says, I'm a vampire. I know something about evil. You're not evil and Don responds maybe I'm not evil but I don't think I can be good and Spike says well I'm not good and I'm okay which I think could be a great new self-help book by Spike I love Dawn in this scene, and I don't know if the difference is how it's directed or how it's written. We've seen Dawn say some similar things to this before and seem whiny, and and I found it hard to empathize, but here, her delivery, it's so heartfelt, and you can see how and why Dawn feels this way. And maybe it is in the writing because she's not complaining about her life. She's not saying how awful things are for her. She is questioning who and what she is and what that does to the people around her. And of course, also to her. But it feels very different than many of her previous outbursts or rants. Also, it's not an outburst or rant. It's a genuine conversation with Spike about how she feels. And so often it is with Spike that Dawn can have these heartfelt conversations. At three minutes, seven seconds in, Tara struggles against being taken into the psych ward. Willow is so upset, tries to go after her, and Xander stops her. It's just one night, but Willow doesn't think she can sleep without Tara and Anya says you can sleep with me and then says well now that came out a lot more lesbian than it sounded in my head. It's nice that Anya once again is the character to show deep empathy and to offer something that culturally or in society at the time would feel a bit off but is a real attempt to help Willow to say I can be there with you to help you feel less lonely. Willow stalks off but Buffy goes after her and stops her and tells her she can't take on glory. Even Buffy is no match for her and she won't let Willow go and Willow says this is not your choice it's mine but Buffy tells her it's not the time Willow asks her when is the time when it's dawn and Buffy responds when we have a chance we'll fight her when we have a chance you wouldn't last five minutes with her Willow she's a god so another echo of that Willow feeling like the junior partner that's not her focus at the moment but this is in essence what Buffy is saying I am the powerful one and I can't defeat her. How could you? Willow seems to agree. She says she'll wait. Buffy says it's the only way, asks if she can do anything, and Willow says just let me be alone. So around here or usually a little before, typically we'll see the last major plot turn, which I think of as the three-quarter turn because usually it's about 75%. Through. It should grow out of that midpoint reversal or commitment and take the plot in another new direction, which this does. Willow leaves and she has made a decision to go after Glory anyway. So again, we don't as viewers know that. So this is another off-screen plot turn, but we will see the results of it. If this is seen as a two-part episode, then I wouldn't call this a major plot turn. I'd say it is the building and escalation of conflict in between the major turns. I feel like this episode, for the most part, works both ways. If you find the way I look at plot and story helpful, you might also find my self-study online course, How to Plot Your Novel from Idea to First Draft Useful. You can find that at writingasasecondcareer.com slash plot your novel all is one word, or follow the link in the show notes. The course is designed for you to learn at your own pace so you can fit writing a novel into your hectic life. 
The steps are clear and easy to follow and they work whether you prefer to outline in detail before you write anything, sort out your story as you are writing, or do a little of both. You'll learn how to come up with and choose ideas with enough conflict to thrill you and your readers. So if you want to write a novel but you don't know what you want to write about yet, the course begins there and it can help you choose one idea from among many if you've got so many and don't know what to do. You'll also learn to build characters and conflicts that make your story engaging from the start. You'll get past common blocks to finishing that first draft and you'll learn how to have fun while doing it. If this sounds interesting to you, right now the course is $119. The price will be going up, so I'm recording this in September 2022. It will go up at the beginning of November, so this is a great time to get it for $119. And you can take it at your own pace, you can download it so that it lives on your device and you can go back to it whenever you want. You can find that at writingasasecondcareer.com slash plot your novel or follow the link in the show notes. Willow dashes into the magic box, goes right up to that loft where Dawn found that book in forever, and she finds a hidden antique book titled Darkest Magic, which is a little bit on the nose to say the least, and the pages flip in a fury showing where Willow is at and how dangerous the book is. At 35 minutes, 39 seconds in, Glory is in her mansion feeling buzzed from sucking the witch's brain. She also feels fantastic because Buffy only has so many friends. Glory will just rip through them one by one. But then everything starts shaking from the furniture to the walls and paintings fall down. And Glory says, did anybody order an apocalypse? Willow comes through the door. She is levitating and moving forward her feet off the ground, reciting a spell, I think in Latin. Glory calls her cute, but Willow freezes Glory behind a clear barrier and says, I owe you pain, and shoots lightning bolts at Glory. Glory screams. The scene cuts to Buffy, reassuring Dawn none of this is her fault. Dawn asks about Willow, and Buffy says she cooled Willow down. She was looking to go all paybacky on Glory, but Buffy explained there was no point. And I love Spike here. He says, mm-hmm. And Buffy says, what? And he comments that Willow is a powerful and mightily pissed off witch. She was ready to go after Glory for sucking Tara's brain, quote, until you, what, explained, end quote. Buffy says Willow knows it'd be like suicide, and Spike says, I'd do it. He looks down, right person, person I love, and he looks at Buffy, I'd do it. Dawn tells Buffy to think, what if it had been Dawn, and Buffy takes off. Willow and Glory are fighting. Glory slugs Willow. She's gotten through that barrier. She taunts her about sucking her lover's mind. Willow sends knives flying at Glory, and Glory knocks them away. Then Willow makes a snake appear. It wraps around Glory's legs, but Willow is getting weaker, and Glory grabs Willow and gets her up against the wall and says, you know what they used to do to witches, lover? Crucify them. Glory lifts one of those knives. So we are at the climax of the episode where the opposing forces have their final clash and resolve it or at least that's what it seems like because right now Buffy enters at 39 minutes 16 seconds grabs the knife from behind Glory and says they used to bow down to gods things change but Glory laughs they fight Buffy does get in some great punches and even throws Glory across the room. Glory says the witch, meaning Willow, really slowed her down, but she is still clearly 
stronger than Willow and Buffy. Buffy grabs Willow. Willow throws up another invisible barrier that holds Glory back for the moment as Willow and Buffy exit and Glory yells out, this isn't over. It is such a comic book cartoony line, but the actress really sells it. And I believe that that is what Glory would say. And it comes across menacing, not comic book comical. At 39 minutes, 59 seconds in, we have what in a typical episode would be the falling action. That's the part of the story where the writers tie up loose ends and resolve subplots. I've never been able to figure out where this scene takes place. Buffy, Willow, Tara, and Dawn are in a room and sitting on a mattress or else a bed that's very low to the floor. There are cardboard boxes around them. There's art on the walls, but everything feels unfinished. And in a moment, we'll see. It seems like maybe they're on campus, but I don't know. Buffy hands out sandwiches to each person, and Buffy says, salami with, ew, peanut butter, Dawn. And Dawn responds, yeah, like eggplant is normal. Tara looks at Willow and says, plastic and their six sisters, six, six sisters. Willow? Willow calms her down, spoon feeds her applesauce, and says, that's my girl. Dawn asks to help, and she does. Buffy asks what Willow needs. Willow says she got a lot of medicine to keep Tara calm, and the doctor said she might have to restrain her at night, but sometimes Tara is just fine. Buffy apologizes that she couldn't stop Glory and Willow says it's okay. She can take care of Tara, quote, even if she never, she's my girl, end quote. Buffy brushes Dawn's hair and says, I understand. And Willow responds, I know you do. I love this moment of connection between the two of them. They both feel the other understands them. At the same time, it's never felt quite right to me. Maybe because I'm not sure what we're supposed to take from it. That the seriousness, the terribleness of what happened to Tara allows Willow to understand what Buffy is going through. Also, did Buffy and Dawn now revert to where they were in forever because this happened to Tara and probably part of why it doesn't have the emotional resonance for me that I want it to goes back to that if everyone had talked earlier there wouldn't have been this conflict between Willow and Buffy or as much conflict between Buffy and Dawn. So I said this seemed like falling action, but now something major happens that turns the story right before the end. At 42 minutes, 36 seconds in, the wall is broken through, sunlight pours in, and Glory says, I told you this wasn't over. Tara, frightened, yells that the place is cracking. But when Dawn tries to reassure her, Tara becomes transfixed, points at Dawn, and says, quote, the light, so pure, such pure green energy, end quote. Dawn gasps, Glory smiles, we close up on Buffy, and go to credits. I mentioned at the outset the concepts of game changers versus cliffhangers. A game changer is an event that happens after the main conflict resolves, but it changes the entire world. It's a great way to end a series episode to draw readers and hook them to the next installment. Usually it works pretty well because you did resolve the main conflict, so you're not breaking off in the middle, which is what a cliffhanger does. A cliffhanger stops in the middle of the major conflict. The main plot does not resolve and the viewer has to tune in next time to find out what happens. If you know going into something that it's not going to resolve, that isn't a problem. But let's say you go see a movie and you think it will be complete and it ends on a cliffhanger and now it's going to be a year and a half or two years before you get the conclusion, readers are pretty, or viewers are pretty unhappy with that. Likewise, readers, if they don't know that going in. So cliffhangers, even in a series, can be tricky, can upset readers. 
Game changers are playing a little more fair. Some readers don't feel that way, but for the most part, especially in a series, you can do a game changer. So the question here is what do we have? We're definitely changing the world going forward because now Glory knows Dawn is the key. Did the main plot resolve though? And I think yes, it did because the main plot was Glory versus Buffy and Glory's main goal was to find out who is the key. And this is a twist that plays fair in the sense that we thought it resolved when Glory discovered Tara was not the key. We thought that was it for this episode for her plot and then Willow goes after her which feels like the end of a subplot not the climax. That's why I question is that the climax because really the main plot of does Glory find out who the key is seemed to be resolved. But now we discover it didn't. We thought Glory lost. And in fact, at the very end of the episode, she achieves her goal. She finds out who the key is. She wins. So in some senses, this is the climax. Glory versus Buffy, who's standing in the way of the key. And Glory finds out who the key is. And we cut. So there's no falling action. We don't find out the fallout of that. The reason I think this might be part one of two is that the fallout of that is the entire next episode. So you could see this either way. You could see it as a game changer at the end of the episode because the main plot resolves and at the same time that resolution changes the game going forward. Or you could see this as a to be continued even though the words to be continued do not appear on the screen. Personally, I see it as that for two reasons. One, this is such a big deal. And really, Glory didn't just want to know who the key is. She wanted to get the key. And she has not done that yet. Also, talk about a major midpoint reversal for Buffy. If this is a two-part episode, this is the midpoint. And for this whole season, this is the biggest midpoint reversal that could happen short of Glory killing Dawn in front of Buffy. So that is it other than foreshadowing, which does include spoilers. I hope you will stick around for that. If you found the way I break down story structure helpful, you can get free story structure worksheets to apply it to your own writing at writingasasecondcareer.com slash worksheets. Or as I mentioned, you can check out that online course, How to Plot Your Novel from Idea to First Draft at writingasasecondcareer.com slash plot your novel, all one word, or follow the links in the show notes. If you're not staying for foreshadowing, thank you so much for listening and a special thank you to patrons who support the show. Come back in two weeks for season five, episode 20, Spiral, where Buffy struggles with how to protect Dawn now that Glory knows she is the key. And we are back for foreshadowing, which includes spoilers. When Giles tells Buffy she has to put her foot down for Dawn and Buffy pleads for Giles to do it, this foreshadows so much of season six, at least the beginning, where Buffy leans on Giles and keeps abdicating her role to take care of Dawn to him, prompting Giles to feel he's standing in the way of her growing up and he goes back to England. I am not a fan of that choice by Giles, but there's plenty of time to talk about that then. I was surprised, though, how much of season six is foreshadowed in this episode. So first that, then Willow and Tara. Tara says she knows Willow is mad, and Willow says, quote, let's just forget it. And this tells us so much about how Willow will approach things in season six, where Willow will use a spell to make Tara forget about a fight. Also, of course, that comment about it frightens Tara, how powerful Willow is getting. That is a major season six conflict that Willow is so powerful. And 
we already saw doesn't quite grasp the ethical issues that come with that power. And Tara does. More season six foreshadowing this idea of the threat that Dawn will be put in foster care or taken away from Buffy. We will see a social worker come to the Summers house, get a terrible impression of Buffy. This is the one where Buffy turns invisible in what is meant to be a humorous episode of Buffy. I can't recall the name now, probably because it's one of my least favorite episodes. And finally, this conversation where Buffy says it's suicide for Willow to go after Glory, and Spike says, I'd do it, right person, person I love, I'd do it. And Dawn tells Buffy to think about what if it were Dawn. That is the climax scene of The Gift, where Buffy will do what she needs to do to protect Dawn, to save the world, and dive into that portal, not knowing what will happen to her, not knowing if she'll die, not knowing if she'll end up in that dimension, but she will do it for the person she loves. There also is foreshadowing here of how they will defeat Glory. It is a series of efforts and as a team. So in this episode, Willow throws knives at Glory. She puts up barriers. She uses that snake. And no one of them defeats Glory. But each of these things weakens her. Buffy then is punching and physically fighting Glory. Willow at the end throws another barrier that works. And this is much of what the gang will do. Keep throwing different things at Glory to weaken her and weaken her and weaken her. And finally, we heard Glory describe what the inside of her brain is like when she is struggling and how it will feel for Tara. And Willow will switch Tara and Glory in a way in the gift. She will transfer what's going on in Tara's brain to Glory's brain, which sets up the weakening of glory. So, so much of the gift foreshadowed here, which I never realized before. That is it for the foreshadowing section. If you haven't heard enough of my voice and my thoughts on Buffy and the Art of Story, patrons get extra bonus content for as little as a dollar a month. So you can check that out on patreon.com slash Lisa M. Lily, L-I-S-A, Emerson Marie, L-I-L-L-Y. Thank you again for listening. Come back in two weeks for season five, episode 20, Spiral, where many powerful foes, including the Knights of Byzantium on horseback, pursue Buffy and Dawn. You can listen to back episodes of Buffy and the Art of Story at lisalilly.com slash Buffy Story or lisalilly.com slash YouTube. Find book editions of Buffy and the Art of Story at lisalilly.com slash Buffy Books. Music for this episode was written and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC, Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.